You're listening to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today, we return to the monthly series, Waste Not. We discuss food waste and the ways in which household action can bring global change. Our focus today is Food Day Canada, life at a local restaurant, and household purchasing practices. It's my pleasure to welcome back Mike Booth, Senior Cookery Instructor at the Stratford Chef School and Co-Head Chef at the Prune Restaurant in Stratford, Ontario. Welcome back, Mike. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Peggy, and happy Food Day. Yes, to you too. It's a sincere pleasure to have you back. So as you say, today is Food Day Canada, when our nation explores the food and flavors of Canada. Why is it important to celebrate Canadian food? I I think it's an uh, important thing to to move towards, try to celebrate uh, Canadian food and and help develop a national food identity. I think that uh, with the size of our country, we have a lot of problems sometimes um, thinking about food as a national thing. We, we often look at it as a regional thing, just to help educate people into their, our food web. I also agree, you know, we've got water, we've got the prairies, we've got uh, urban space where there's uh, food production going on. And we've got such a diverse uh, population of eaters that have brought incredible um, richness and diversity. So I agree with you to try to look at it from a bird's eye view, from a nation, national perspective, and to learn something, find out what's happening uh, across the nation that we may not have known, but also to be really grateful for what we have. So I'm with you. I'm very excited about celebrating Food Day Canada. Some of the key aspects of Food Day Canada is to shop, cook, and dine Canadian. What does this mean for you, Mike, as a certified chef? For this, this this basically just means to me to support Canadian foods, um, particularly small businesses, um, and to make choices that better serve uh, my community. Uh, I want to support my local farmers. I want to support my local shops. And if I can do that in any way uh, through food, I think that that's a, a positive thing to do. One of the initiatives of Food Day Canada is help shine a light on Canadian cuisine. And you you can find out more about this on the Food Day Canada website. They're coordinating pledges and stories at hashtag Food Day Canada to thank and support farmers, fishers, agri-food organizations, and restaurants for all that they do. And why is this part of celebrating food important, Mike? I think it's important for uh, people to know that they are part of the cycle, that they understand where their food comes from, how it's produced, uh, and why it is important to participate in said cycle. Um, our food system is is for nourishment, but it's also for uh, celebration. It's also for community. It, it's a lot of different things. And uh, I think a, a lot of the times those folks, uh, they generally are are left um, unsupported or or they're not given the recognition that they may very well deserve. I agree. And, you know, people in the food system, uh, farmers, fishers, restaurateurs, they're so busy doing their jobs um, to get, as you say, not just the food system, but the food cycle to get the next meal. Um, We have roughly uh, 38 million Canadians. And if we are striving to give three meals a day to every Canadian, that's roughly 114 million meals we need every day. The sun will come up and we need another 114 million meals. So the restaurateurs, the chefs, the farmers, the fishers, everyone in the food supply system, they're just so busy getting that next wave of food ready that they don't necessarily 
always, um, as you mentioned, uh, go out and talk a lot about it, which is why it's so important to have something like Food Day Canada. And I couldn't agree with you more. It's really important to shine a light on the people like yourself, chefs and restaurateurs. And to carry that forward, Mike, you are one of the head chefs at The Prune Restaurant in Stratford, Ontario. Can you tell us about the vision and story of the restaurant? Uh, well, the, the restaurant was founded in 1977, so it's it's been around for quite a long time, which is a, a story in its own. A lot of restaurants are, are not necessarily around that that long. So it's got a lot of history with it. Along with that history, though, we, comes a lot of growth and a lot of innovation. Currently, what we're, we're really trying to do at the Prune is to make a good, accessible food, whether it's for a, a celebration, um, you know, coming for an anniversary or a birthday, or just having a nice casual evening out and sitting on a, a back patio with a glass of wine and some some oysters or a, or a full a full menu dinner. Um, it's it's really just a place where you can come and enjoy um, good food, uh, good people, good atmosphere, and good drink. That's awesome. And as you said, 1977 that is an accomplishment. And to maintain the integrity and vision and the concept of the prune, many things have shifted in what people are looking for in their dining experience. But a kudos to everyone at the prune for all that you do and for what you are offering the world and our local community here in London. Can you tell us a little bit as we're talking about being thankful for our restaurateurs and really appreciating what they do? What impact did the pandemic have on a broader scale on restaurants? Uh well, it's, um, it's been overwhelmingly negative. Yeah. Um, I mean, o- operations in a restaurant, we, we operate on thin margins at full capacity. Um, when we restrict that capacity to half, that that significantly affects things. And when we uh, change that to zero capacity and, and we're only doing takeout dinners, et cetera, um, it's devastating. Um it really hurt the the industry significantly. Um, you know, most people or most restaurants have have uh, pushed through, changing their their outlook, changing their plans, uh, doing whatever whatever they could to sort of survive, uh, keep people employed, uh, keep food moving through the the business. Um, but we're still not quite out of the woods on, on this yet. Um, you know, we've recently opened opened the dine in indoors again. Um, but now, you know, now we're finding that we have a lot of staffing issues. Um, folks who had had worked as cooks or as servers or as busters or as bartenders uh, who had been laid off have been forced to, to find other work and they're looking for more stable jobs. They've found more stable jobs. Uh, and then these people just aren't coming back to the industry. So currently we're having a, a, a big staffing problem. Very shortly, you know, our government has been very good at uh, supporting um, businesses supporting restaurants uh, with wage subsidies with all sorts of different things um, but at some point and uh, some point soon those things are going to stop and um, I think that that's really going to be the the point at which a lot of these restaurants will have a make or break sort of a situation you know I, I would just say to to continue the support and um, just understand that this isn't uh, isn't necessarily over even though it feels as though it's over and we should uh, always always try or continue to try to push forward and help uh, help these small businesses in our communities really um, appreciating that relationship 
and helping it uh, continue stronger than ever by going and uh, enjoying a lovely meal out and appreciating what you receive, but also being patient if there is a, a, a possibly a longer wait to get the plate to the table or if, uh, if something unexpected comes up, just really understand that restaurants are still responding to everything that happened. And uh, as I said, on Food Day Canada, really making sure we thank them for all they do and for being there so that we have this incredible experience. And I understand that uh, purchasing was a significant factor for restaurants over the past year, sourcing products, um, unpredictable use of inventory, depending on levels of being open. Can you expand on this a little bit for us, Mike? And we'll talk more about home purchasing after the break. When the pandemic hit, everything shut down and, you know, it was basically overnight and any food that we had on the premises was um, either processed into something that would keep pickling, et cetera, or, or freezing things and trying to make better use of them. Uh, down the road, the pandemic itself has has uh, brought a lot of pro- a lot of purchasing problems. Um, uh, a lot of places, pr- production plant closures. Um, we've had problems with imports, uh, with travel restrictions, border closures. Um, you know, presumably exports as well. So any goods that that are from Canada going to other places just aren't going there now. Uh, so finding things and and having the availability to products that we're used to normally having the available the availability to at all times uh, just isn't quite there. Along with that is cost. Uh, cost is a big factor, uh, particularly in restaurants. Uh, just as an example, currently canola oil for some reason is uh, twice as expensive as it was uh, six months ago, which is a significant thing, and it's unpredictable. As the the biggest problem is. You have something one week and then you can be using it for two, three, four, five weeks. And then just all of a sudden that the, the supply dries up and it's uh, unavailable for two or three or four weeks. And then, you know, eventually uh, the shipping tr- uh, thing that is stuck at the border and wherever is, uh, is allowed through and all of a sudden the product is back available again, but just provides a lot of problems. Um, and for the most part, restaurants have been, relatively good with it just as you would at the supermarket if there just isn't a product there you you try to find something similar or or you change the menu item we try to do our best and and for the most part i think folks have been understanding to that and really it pulls on your ingenuity and creativity to respond to these problems and that really calls to the um, commitment of the chefs and restaurateurs um, to the uh, creativity. You make lemonade when life serves you lemons. And so just uh, a testament to why we should be going to hashtag Food Day Canada and, and offering our support and celebration for our, our local restaurateurs, for people like you, Mike, and uh, and locally here in Stratford the uh, at the Prune Restaurant. And so uh, thank you. Thank you very much for all that you do. After the break, we'll hear more from Mike Booth, co-head chef at the Prune Restaurant in Stratford, Ontario, who will share his expertise on ways households can manage their food per purchasing practices to save money and avoid food waste. In doing so, we can come together to ensure there's enough food for every family at home and across the world. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. We're speaking with Mike Booth, co-head chef at the Prune Restaurant in Stratford, Ontario, about food purchasing and ways to save money at home. Mike, as a chef, you've got formal training in kitchen food systems and purchasing, as we mentioned before the break, is a cycle and it is part of a system. Where does this process start and end? Well, I mean, 
basically it starts with your producers and it's going to end with your consumers. Um, so whether that's a, a farmer who's uh, spends their winter deciding what they're going to plant, um, what they're going to grow, um, if they're going to be able to sell it, how they're going to be able to sell it. They make those decisions. Uh, they start the process. Um, the things grow, they harvest them and then they have to sell them and, and they have to sell them to folks like me, a chef, uh, sell them to restaurants, uh, sell them to grocery stores uh, and then ideally the people want to buy them and it ends up on our plate and we consume it and we're in, we end up being happy folks having eaten some good food. That's right. And then we start again. <laughs> it's yeah, a exactly. cycle. <laughs> so once households have decided what they like to eat and what they want to make, uh, how can they balance cost and quality uh, in sourcing their food? Well, I think the important thing to note here is that everybody is different. Uh, you're going to have folks who go to their local farmer's markets, but you're also going to have folks who have, do all their shopping at the you know, tr traditional grocery stores. Um, so it's really important to, to note that everybody is different and you basically have to find what works best for you and do that. Um, so trying to balance cost and quality, I mean, obviously we want to get the best quality we can, but there is a, a cost associated with that. So we, we try to get the best quality we can for the money that we have to spend on it. Right. And I agree with you that we really need a diverse food system in Canada, not only geographically, we are very different in terms of what can get where we have really northern parts, rural and remote areas, and we have urban centers. So things can get certain places sometimes, but not always. And there's a cost to that. And a part of that is also choosing reliable suppliers. That's really critical to success in food purchasing. And how can families use some of the approaches that professional chefs use to find suppliers whose products and values align to their own? Well, as a chef, um, reliable suppliers is of the utmost importance to me. Um, and we, we really try to develop relationships and develop trust with our, our suppliers so that um, I know what's going to come in the door and I know that the quality is going to be good and I know that it's going to be what I wanted. Uh, you know, I think that the home cook or the home uh, economist can do the same thing. You know, obviously you choose the supermarket that uh, has the, the product that you enjoy, uh, whether it be the, the bigger tomatoes or the smaller tomatoes or the, the greener green peppers or whatever the case may be. You, you sort of find the, the place that works best for you. You trust that. Um, the consistency is very important in a restaurant. Um, same at home. You know, if, if I'm getting uh, scallops that are always the same size, I, I want them to be the same size if they come in. Um, and this transparency is very, very important as well. So, you know, I just want to have a, an open dialogue with my suppliers. They let me know if anything is going to be different. I let them know what my needs are and we work together. We can't do what we do without our producers, whether it be the, the local farmers who bring us produce uh, or meats or fishermen, or our larger, uh, larger scale suppliers that bring us in our dry goods or our, our, you know, our vegetables that aren't necessarily grown locally. Uh, you have to have those relationships. And if you don't, then uh, you're going to have a problem. You know, we can't do anything without those folks. So it is a real relationship. And I think that that's something that we um, need to think about and be mindful of is that we are in a relationship with our food suppliers. And in food purchasing is a relationship. It's a constant feedback mechanism, the give and the take. Really important to look at it as a system. That theme keeps coming up today. And one of the things that is also important is really checking the details. So we talked already about unit size and is it in the, in the volume that you want, the ingredients, what, what's in it. 
and the regular availability are very important things in restaurants. They're also important for households. How can we integrate some of these factors into our purchasing practices at home? Yeah, uh, those things are all very, very important, particularly in restaurants. Unit size, I cannot stress enough. Uh, you know, at the home, um, basically, you just want to buy what you're going to use. Oftentimes, we're, we're swayed especially in stores nowadays, you've got a multi, you buy a buy one, get one at half price. Or if you buy six of these things, you get 10 cents off each one. Um, and those, those always seem like a good deal. And, you know, financially speaking, they're a good deal, but it's really only a good deal if you're going to use the product. Uh, so particularly things that are perishable, if I'm just going to buy the thing and, and get one for half price, if the one I get for half price just sits in my crisper and dies or, or, or rots, then I'm throwing it in the garbage anyway. So, you know, buy what you can use, um, use what you have, and then repeat the cycle. It's, it's all about using what you have, um, buying, buying within your needs, I guess, um, and not having excess. That's a really good tip. This whole series is about food waste and, and really understanding, um, cost and and usage and, and values so if you can get three for the same prices too can you actually use that third item like in many things we can be enticed into more than what we need and then as we say we're back into food waste or we have uh, things sitting on the shelves that we don't want to eat because we've eaten enough of it and don't really care for that extra amount so we have things backlogging in our household inventory and i think it's helpful to start to think about our own uh, sort of home as an ecosystem and our food system as a uh, production and consumption version of a unit. And I think that a lot of the things that professional restaurants and professionals in the food industry have a lot to offer households. It's why we're, we're doing this show. How can households balance uh, getting what they want, how much, and in what quantity? Do you have any advice uh, as a professional chef that households might benefit from? Well, in all honesty, I think that most households naturally fall into this rhythm. Generally, uh, families will have a specific day where they're going, they're going out and doing their shopping, and they'll generally buy enough food to make it until the next shopping day. So, you know, you're not going out and buying uh, six bags of milk uh, just because milk happens to be on sale that day. You're usually just going to get enough to get you through until the next time that you're going to be to be buying groceries. You know, we sort of naturally fall into that rhythm, being focused and, and buying what you think you're going to use. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, anything that we put into the garbage is um, basically just a waste. It's a waste of energy, a waste of time. And it's uh, something that somebody else could have had who otherwise may not have. Right. And also a waste of money because it wasn't used. And um, it's really important, I think, for us to also think about maintaining positive relationships with suppliers. We talked a little bit about that before. What types of things foster a positive relationship and how can families apply this with their food suppliers? Usually in the restaurant with suppliers, if everything is working smoothly, if the product is good and the quantities and the, everything is the way that you're wanting it, you don't really contact a supplier. It's only when something is wrong, um, which is not fostering a positive relationship, but rather bringing in some negativity towards it. So if it, you know, place an order with a vegetable supplier and 75 or 90, 90% of it is good and 10% of it is not right. They're going to hear from me and I'm going to be complaining about the 10% that's not right. And where's this and where's that? And why didn't I get it? And uh, very rarely when I get something in, do I call my supplier and say, wow, these carrots are gorgeous. Thank you. You know, I think bringing some of that positivity and taking some of that time that um, 
is valuable to everyone. But, uh, you know, if you think, if you think it that, wow, these are really, really nice carrots, let's, uh, let your, let your farmer know, or let your supplier know that you really enjoy that product. You know, don't always be a negative person. And again, it's, uh, working in a restaurant, it's, it's a time, uh, you know, putting in all the, all these hours in a week to, to make a food. Um, you sometimes forget that, but you're never really too busy to give somebody some thanks or, or stay positive. I couldn't agree more. Most of the time, the food that we buy and receive meets our standards and exceeds it. So we can build relationships with people, even in the larger stores and thank them for what they have uh, provided us because it does Um, really make a difference. There is a lot that goes on behind the scenes to um, monitor quality control, to present the highest and best quality products, to have uh, consistent supply relationships. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes. And I couldn't agree with you more. And we're back to sort of where we started with Food Day Canada and uh, hashtag Food Day Canada and thanking our food suppliers and farmers and restaurateurs and chefs and, and sharing our stories of thanks. So what a great way to bring us back to where we started. Mike is is there any final message that you'd like to share with listeners about purchasing practices, food waste, the prune, or, or life as a chef? Enjoy your community. Enjoy the, the community of food. Uh, enjoy your local restaurants. Um, shop at your farmer's market. Shop at your local grocery stores. Um, buy food that makes you happy. Be positive. Wonderful. And I'm filled with gratitude for the Canadian food system and for chefs like you, Mike. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and ideas with us, Mike. Thank you, Peggy. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Mike Booth, Senior Cookery Instructor at the Stratford Chef School and Co-Head Chef at the Prune Restaurant in Stratford, Ontario, about how food purchasing practices can help avoid food waste and can bring change to humanity right from our own homes. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about? Does your home have a food purchasing system and strategy? Something to do? Visit Food Day Canada's website and find out how to shine a light on Canadian cuisine, including the Prune Restaurant in Stratford, Ontario. Next week on the show, it's City Farming. We'll discuss solar lamb grazing and the cost and use of farmland within city limits. Our guest is Lindsay Smith, family farmer at Shady Creek Lamb Company. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist, and you've been listening to Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burnbray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.